Welcome back in everyone to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have some wonderful guests joining us today to talk about a fabulous show coming to New York. We have the playwright Christina Massiotti, the actress Kelly Overby, the director Rory McGregor, all of who are part of No Good Things Dwell in the Flesh. It's playing September 6th through the 23rd at the Jeffrey and Paula Girl Theater at ART New York Theaters. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting ChristinaMassiotti.com. We are so excited to welcome on our guests. So Christina, Kelly, and Rory, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. I am so excited to have you all here and to be talking about this great new play, No Good Things Dwell in the Flesh. And so, Christina, I want to start with you. You're the playwright of the show. Could you tell us a bit about what this show is and what it's about? Yeah, so it's about a tailor trying to convince her assistant to take over her business. In a larger sense, it's about passing on in terms of what you can pass on as an artist and what you can't, also in terms of life and death, also in terms of a way of life, you know, devoting your life to a craft, to mastering a craft and the ways that's already passed on. So those are those are the themes of the play. How did you come up with the idea for the show? So it was inspired by a tailor in my neighborhood who I used to go to and she always sparked an interest with me and eventually I approached her about wanting to write a play based on her life depicting a tailor as a master artist and she allowed me into her shop for several months and I took everything in and learned more about what I was really the the metaphor sort of opened up through all that time that I spent sitting in her shop and and taking in the, the the sewing lessons and the and the atmosphere. That's very cool. Now, Rory, I want to bring you in on this and ask, how did you come upon this show? Um, it's a great question. I mean, I met Christina through John Wisniewski, who had done press for a previous show I'd done. And he said, oh, I think you'd really sort of vibe with this particular writer. And I was sent the play and I immediately was struck with visions of how to direct it and, you know, what it would look like, what it would sound like. And Christina and I got on the phone and it just felt like our worlds really kind of coalesced and we were speaking the same language. And I remember Christina telling me, actually, just going back to that story about like the conception of the play that, you know, she said to to Taylor, uh, who the play is based on, you know, that she wanted to write a, a play about her. And she said, I knew this would happen, right? Yeah, I always knew this would happen. Yeah, and I feel like that that felt a little like when I read the play as well, that I I felt it it was it I was the right kind of person to 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 help realize this world, at least in in my mind. And Christina seemed to agree. <laughs> That's very cool. And Kelly, what about you as as one of the actresses in the show? How did you come upon the show? I was sent the script and I I read it and immediately was enamored with it. I I I found it mysterious and interesting and wonderful and unusual and funny and 
challenging. And I thought, I really want to go visit this person, this place, this time, this these ideas. Also because I didn't understand it completely yet. And I I I think, you know, there's it's so deep and full and full of meaning in so many ways that like any good play, you 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 will continue to explore it for the entirety of the time that you're working on it. And I'm still doing that. I will do that through the run. I'll do that later when I'm thinking about it and looking back on it. It's it's a really, a really cool play. And these plays don't come along that often. So I I rushed to make sure that, you know, they they would have me. <laughs> and they and they said yes. And so I'm really happy about that. Wonderful. Well, Kelly, what has it been like developing this show so far? You know, it's been a it's been a fairly intense rehearsal process. It's been great. I mean, that's not to say that it hasn't been great. It has been, but it's been a while, you know, I mean, I think partly because of COVID maybe and some pausing in everybody's life, but it's been a little while since I've had a role that I could jump into like this, that was really challenging and chewy, you know, and this is one of those. And so, you know, I never stopped thinking about it. Well, you know, pros, cons, I guess, but, <laughs> but right now we're getting ready to start teching. So we're kind of in that place where we know a lot, but there's a lot we don't know, which I see, I feel myself actually quoting the show right now. <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> we don't know that we're going to find out. And that's kind of exciting. And, and what was the question? <laughs> what did you ask me? What did what you say? What has it been like developing the show so far? We're still doing it. You know, we're still doing it. And like I say, I think the play will, I think, I think you could come to a rehearsal right now and be entertained and affected by it right now. That said, you know, we're trying to get it up to speed for a first audience. And then I think every time we do it, it's going to grow and bloom and there will be things to take away from it. And I'm really, 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 really excited to share it with people. I'm so excited to share this with people. I love hearing that. Oh, that makes me so excited for it. Rory, as the director, what has it been like developing the show and getting it up on its feet? Yeah, well, without sounding too trite, I've been very blessed with a really great team of actors. I mean, Kelly is at a point now and she's kind of modest about it, I think, but she's really started to inhabit Agatha, the, you know, the tailor in a way that, you know, sometimes I'm in the room and we're doing a run and I'm so absorbed, like the sort of rehearsal room fades away and I'm fully in this story. And I think that what Kelly's also putting her finger on, which, which I agree with and is true, is that that every time we do it, we're discovering new things because Christina's writing is so full, is so rich with subtext and metaphor. And that was one of the things that really drew me to it in the first place is that there is literally so much to grapple with in the play, which is why I think, you know, rehearsals have been, you know, pretty intense. And I've, we've been, I'd say it's a very, very focused room of actors. Everyone is always kind of working on, on the scenes. And it's just been a joy, honestly, to lead this process and, I feel like, again, not to sound trite, but sort of privileged to be helming the ship on this one, definitely. That is fantastic. Now, Christina, as the playwright, let me ask, what is the message or thought that you're hoping audiences will take away from the show? I think for me, it's more of a feeling. It's more of a range of feelings, connecting with the characters, seeing them differently by the end. I think they're all unusual characters. They may seem odd at first. I don't know, like not someone you might want to get to know. 
I don't, I don't know. It, it might be a little off-putting at first. I think all, all of our, all of the main characters, but I'm interested in using the framework of a story to really build a connection with the audience and to see the characters differently, to see new things, to, to, and, and it's like a chance to, cause they're based on real people, you know, to, to allow people time to focus on kinds of people they might see in everyday life, but not really have a chance to, to pick up on some of the full complexities and the full person underneath quick interactions. Love that. Rory, what about you? What is, what are you hoping the audience will take away from the show? I love that. I, I love what Christina just said. Like, I, I think that there's a real humanity to every character, even, you know, characters who, who are, you know, more kind of complex in, in the way that the, the audience kind of receives them. There, there is this kind of shared humanity we get. For me personally, I think that, you know, the audience are going to get some pretty incredible performances. Kelly, as I said, is doing really wonderful work as Agatha. And I also want to shout out Carmen Zills, who's playing Janice, and also T. Ryder Smith, who's playing Vlad, and Megan Lomax and Jeffrey Brabant, who um, are basically multi-rolling as well and are inhabiting the world. Um, and I think it's a really, honestly, like a very unique piece of theatre. I think it's a play which is rich in 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 metaphor and is more interested in 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 kind of dealing with these deeper themes there's not a lot going there's there's more going on under the surface than on it and i think that people are going to be going uh coming away from it thinking a lot about you know what what is a life like what does it mean to leave a legacy what does it mean to have a craft and after your you know as as you move out of that craft like you know how does it continue on you know this is a dying profession in some ways, Agatha's profession. And it's really moving to see her wanting it to kind of still have some place in this world, uh, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. And I, I love that. That's a beautiful answer. I want to wrap up this first part of the interview with you, Kelly. And I want to ask, who do you hope have access to No Good Things Dwell in the Flesh? Anyone and everyone who, why would I exclude anyone from coming to see this beautiful show? I think anybody who, well, I guess maybe, no, I mean, anybody, any, I was about to say maybe English speaking people because they'll be able to understand the language, which is so beautiful. But I think you could come and watch this, not speak English and still get something out of it. I, I don't know. It just permeates. It's so moving and so rich. And so there's so much in it that I think will stay with people i'm hoping i mean i know it will stay with me and maybe they'll think and have conversation with each other and contemplate some things that they haven't heretofore contemplated and i don't know i think that that's the point of theater it's a safe space to go into kind of dangerous places and experience other people's lives you know and it's my favorite thing about it and so i think this is a really really wonderful example of that change lanes now and for the second part of our interview give our listeners a chance to get to know three of you a little bit better 
Rory, I want to start with you on this question. And I want to ask what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you or or even just some of your favorites? Wow, that's such a good question. I mean, it's funny, me and Christina were just talking about this before we jumped on. I think, you know, I've wanted to be a director since I was 16. I don't know, I was a very precocious and maybe a bit mad child and and I wanted to be like I was obsessed with Stanley Kubrick so that's kind of where it started at the age of 16 and then I found theatre really through a couple of productions which were doing on stage what I felt like Kubrick was doing on film I was really taken by the in your face theatre movement people like Sarah Kane Philip Ridley Mark Ravenhill and there was one particular production that I saw it was, again, when I was maybe 17 or so, which was Rupert Gould and Ben Power did an adaptation of Six Characters in Search of an Author. Uh, and I just never thought of theatre like that. I'd always thought of theatre as being stuffy and, you know, Shakespeare and pumpkin pants and things like that. And it it really unfolded a type of, you know, it was it was so theatrical and it was so drenched in sort of, again, this, I'm saying metaphor a lot today, but there was just a lot going on under the surface but it was so, it could only take place in that room. You know, it was the live event, the liveness of theatre really started to hook me. And so when I was in undergrad, I, I started directing plays and instead of doing my degree, and sort of by the end of, of my undergrad degree in history, I directed more plays than I'd probably papers I'd written. It wasn't, I mean, I ended up with an okay degree, but I was I sort of decided, you know, this was uh, this was it. And I started reading a lot of uh, theatre theory and I was really taken by the work of Anne Bogart and I made the decision to come over here and study uh, with her. Um, so I've just realised, I've given you quite, I've given you my life history there, but that's sort of the, the where, where I've sort of come from as a director. And then today there are so many other, I'm, I'm always inspired, like any show I go to see, I, I'm always trying to find something that, even if it's so out of the range of the kind of theatre I'm interested in or would make, always something that I'm that I'm learning or, or taking away and, and putting in my own work. Is fantastic. Love that list. Huge shout out to Anne Bogart and Viewpoints. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she read, uh, she wrote a book called A Director Prepares, which was sort of maybe the second or third theory book I'd read after Peter Brook's um, Empty Space. And I was just like, this is, this is it. This is, this is what it's about. It was the first time that someone was treating directing for me as a sort of spiritual holistic practice rather than just a vocation. And that was very exciting to me. Uh, yeah. Love that. Christina, what about you? What are, who inspires you? I would say Spalding Gray was big for me and his work with the Wooster group with Rumstick Road is one of my favorite productions. And what one of the things I love about it is it seems so experimental on the surface, totally breaking the form open, but there's a classic retrospective action structure like Oedipus. You can see the classic form there holding it together. And I love that structural integrity while still making something new. It's not just throwing everything out the window. And so it's a really compelling piece of work. And also the way he took his life and elevated it. And so the, 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 the pieces about, you know, being based in reality. I mean, I could never write about my life autobiographically the way he does, but it's still the roots of it are in something real and finding a way to, to, to make a statement about that on stage. 
theatrically. That is really, really cool. I'm going to have to look into that. That's a wonderful <laughs> inspiration. And finally, Kelly, what are who inspires you? Well, I've had a little time to be thinking about my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Since you came to me last, and I'm afraid I... I'm, I might disappoint because I'd, I'm afraid if I gave you names or productions or people, it would just be kind of maybe inaccurate and incomplete. But I can say that as an actor and what I still find or more and more find more interesting than anything is just watching people. And in an age where we're so, when we're all basically spending all day making commercials for each other, <laughs> you know, where, where, where fame is you know apparently easily attainable anywhere and all that. that that doesn't interest me very much what interests me are really more of the quiet moments that you can observe sometimes of people out in a city like this where people are living their full lives in front of you without any sense of boundary and you can see some amazing things if you just sit for a second and watch if you don't look at your phone and you look at people and i find that really inspiring and and thinking about again you know how to bring that to the work that I do sometimes or or I'm just interested in the the quiet quiet the quietness quiet quiet little things that people don't expect to be seen doing uh, that that inspires me I love that answer I know you've all been really busy getting no good things to well in the flesh up on its feet preparing for opening night coming up but have any of you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners I haven't seen I haven't seen anything recently, but I'm a big Annie Baker fan. So I I do I did want to catch Infinite Life at the Atlantic. I haven't had a chance to see that, and I just think she's a really supreme writer. And anytime you go see her work, you're always gonna you're in for a really interesting experience. And especially the director James McDonald's brilliant British director, you know, works a lot with other great writers like Carol Churchill and stuff like that. So I just feel like that's gonna be a great show. <laughs> Yeah, I want to see that too. My friend Pete Simpson is that is in that. And he's amazing. Cool. Well, now let me ask all of you, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Kelly, I'm going to come to you first on this. What is my favorite part about where, I mean, I think it's, it's probably a sense of family, a sense of creating community. I really felt that to an extreme during the pandemic when there was not even, listen, as an actor, you're not always working. You know, there are a lot of times when you're, you're out of work. And But I realized that the pandemic shutting down the industry, you know, completely meant that also I wasn't getting to go to an audition a couple days a week and running into friends and going to get coffee afterwards or sharing stories and realizing how actually important even that aspect of what I do was to my identity, feeling that loss of community. And I'm not saying, of course, you can reach out to people, you can deliberately, intentionally reach out, make plans, but there was something about having that be automatic and regular that I really, really missed. And I it's made me think a lot about how much I have identified myself as a, a, a member of this tribe, a member of this culture, and that when it was in jeopardy, it really affected my, it gave me serious existential ennui. <laughs> I was very, very, very unhappy. So I think that, you know, making new lifelong friends and people that you hope to work with again and again and is is really a huge, huge part of, of the work. 
Yes, absolutely. Christina, what about you? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I have, I feel like there are a lot of favorite. I mean, what comes to mind is I do love being in the rehearsal room. I love watching great actors work and make adjustments and discover things on their feet. It's just, I, it, and also great directors come, coming up with things to try on the spot and, and, and having just, just seeing it, not so much seeing the script come to life, but seeing this world that everyone in the room is creating, seeing it come to life and seeing things build off of each other. So I guess I love rehearsal. I love that answer. It's it's one of those moments in the theater I feel like a lot of people mischaracterize, but it is the most fun time because it's the giant sandbox. It's the playtime. It's the discovery time, you know? So it's so much fun. Finally, Rory, what about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? I want to echo what both Kelly and Christina have said about kind of like the community building and and, and being feeling like you're sort of part of a family and, and being in this sort of creative sandbox. I'd also say what I love about theatre is that it's like the great mongrel art form. You know, it takes from all of the other ones. It takes from music, dance, you know, projection occasionally, and it creates something new out of that. I think that's so beautiful and brilliant. And I think it's a kind of art form that's just so... it like I love film as well but film is so controlled and and being a part in part of a, a rehearsal process it's like as a director it's like entire creative freedom you know we've got the script here and we've got actors and on any given day I could say you know all right let's just run what we have or why don't we try Kelly we never did this but I could have said Kelly why don't you try playing Carmen's role Carmen why don't you play Kelly's role you know that there aren't any there's no kind of real like there is a structure, but it's a structure that we're creating together. And, and so you really have a boundless creativity, you know, and, and in the rehearsal room, you're able to just, you know, really jump around in a way that I think is, I feel like really lucky that that's, you know, what I get to do during the week. It's it's a, it's, it's an incredible, uh, as you say, I love the word playground. It's, it's a real, real playground art form. The fabulous answer. I love that. Well, we've now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? So many, honestly. I, I've been very blessed to have done so many interesting jobs and work with so many wonderful, talented people. But the one that just sprang to mind was, I was fortunate enough to be part of Tom Stoppard trilogy, Coast of Utopia, which is about 12 years ago now. I think, or longer. I can't do math. And that was at Lincoln Center. And there were three plays. Each play was three hours long. We did this over a period of, of almost a year. Huge cast. We started with the first play. We would rehearse the second one. We put up the second one. We did the first and second in, in rep. And then we added the third. And then by the spring, this began in the fall, by the spring, we had all three running in rep. And then there were, I think we had to get special permission from equity, but we did a total of eight marathon days, meaning that we did all three plays in one day. And that was on a Saturday. It was always on a Saturday. We would start the first play, I believe, was at 11 a.m. And then play number two was at three. And then the last one was at eight. So this is at the Vivian Beaumont at Lincoln Center, which I don't know exactly how many people that seats, but it's a pretty big theater. And so the first time we did a marathon, which was kind of exciting on its own, we we did 
you know, the first play had a break, the second play had a break into the third play. And on those days, we would wait until the end of the whole thing to take a curtain call. So at the end of that first day, we had our curtain call and Jack O'Brien, who directed it, <laughs> had had created this sort of very, very beautiful, you know, where we bowed and it was, he did this whole thing with choreography that was appropriate for the, for the, the importance of the day. And, and it was really lovely. And I was filled, this is the memory I'm getting to. I will never forget taking that first bow and almost being overcome with emotion to the point that I couldn't. And it wasn't because what hit me, what hit me, not only was that we had done this, this, this day, we had done these three plays in one day for all of these people, but everyone in the house stood up and I thought you did this too. All, <laughs> room, all of the people in the room, those of us on stage, those of us backstage in the theater, everyone had done this together. And I was so moved by that. I don't think I stopped crying for like an hour. I was so, so moved. It was, it was like the, one of those moments that exhibited sort of the feeling that always exists when you do a play, but it was very pronounced in that moment. It was really, really lovely, a lovely memory. Wow. That is incredible. I would have loved to have experienced that. Wow. Who would like to go next? It's a hard one to follow, isn't it? You know what I mean? Uh, Christina? <laughs> I mean, I can go. I, what Christina was alluding to, which I feel very lucky for is, you know, I was talking about that play that I saw uh, six characters in search of an author and sort of years later, being able to work with Ben Power, who, who wrote it and Rupert Gould and, and 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 being inspired by people like Julie Taymor and then getting to work with her. It's like I, I feel it's the growth of being kind of part of a of a of a community and 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 seeing like behind the curtain, which is amazing. And and sort of coming from a background where no one in my family was, you know, worked in the arts or, you know, and and sort of slowly seeing the the, the plausibility of it over time was sort of wonderful. And I'd also say, actually, on like an artistic point of view, I saw this production of the Scottish play a number of years ago. I won't name where it was because um, it wasn't a very good production. I don't want to be, I don't want to be mean. But the, but there was an amazing moment where it was done outside, you know, as it I guess originally would have been at the Globe. And as I was watching it, you know, they they performed it. They were performing it at dusk, and sort of night began to fall as the Scottish king was doing his, you know, sort of evil things and, and, and the witches were doing witchcraft. And I was just sort of that, that even though I didn't think that the production itself was amazing, it was like the hairs on the back of my neck stood up because I was like, you know, I, I felt as if I was watching something I shouldn't be watching, like some kind of satanic ritual or something. And, and the power of this writing, you know, that is hundreds of years old still today was really, and I'm not just saying it because I'm English, because I have a complicated relationship with Shakespeare, you know, that's developed over time. And, and I, I've really come to, you know, admire it. I think I was very resistant to it when I was younger. But just seeing the profound kind of, the the way that theatre can, can can hold the test of time and, and, and really brilliant plays can, can have such a profoundly visceral response in you. I, it's just those there are so many memories I have like that being in the theatre and and feeling its transformative effect that have made it such a 
kind of profoundly amazing art form to work in. So I feel like that's the two things, being able to work with people I've admired for so many years and, and feeling part of the community and their grace and getting to learn from brilliant directors like, you know, like Sam Mendes and, and Julie Tamar and stuff like that. But then also on the other side of it, just the kind of the transformative power of theatre, it, it, it always it always rocks my world a little bit, yeah. I love that as well. That's a fabulous answer. I tried. Not as good as <laughs> No, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, finally, Christina, what is your favorite theater memory? Well, one memory that that is special to me is about 13 years ago, I did a play that Richard Maxwell directed and we toured for like seven years. And the first stop on the tour was in the north of Italy. And he had the audience seated on the stage and then a wall came up and you could see the theater. But this was this beautiful jewel box theater in Modena, Italy. And then at the end, the characters walk out through the doors of the theater and that's all you could see in the States. But then at this theater, the doors opened out and you could see this beautiful cobblestone old street and the characters walking out and a little stray cat walked past. And it was just kind of a synchronistic moment because there's a cat in the play too they're just like oh it all came together in that split second that they went out there so that's one of them i love that oh i can see that in my head and that's beautiful <laughs> love that. well thank you all so much for sharing those those were all lovely happy to do any of you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you I, I, I'm still working as the um, associate director on the Lehman Trilogy, and that always, you know, pops its head back up. That'll be in San Francisco next May, I believe, 2024. <laughs> I was going to say, one of the other things I do is I'm the executive director of a nonprofit called A is For, artists working to eradicate stigma against abortion. Uh, uh, stigma against abortion, not abortion, meaning we're fighting stigma. So uh, one of the things we do is we have a playwriting contest every year about reproductive justice, and we've selected our three winners, and we're going to have a festival in December having readings of the three winning plays. They're one acts, and I'm hoping that people will be excited to come and see that. You can find more information at aisfor.org, A-I-S-F-O-R.org. Wonderful. Finally, if our listeners want more information about No Good Things Dwell in the Flesh or about any of you, perhaps who'd like to reach out to you, how can they do that? They can get tickets on Theater Mania. I mean, Google No Good Things Dwell in the Flesh. It's probably the easiest way. Make, sure, make sure you include Christina Maschiotti's name with No Good Things Dwell in the Flesh. Otherwise, you'll get Bible passages. <laughs> <laughs> so no good things running the flesh i guess and then tickets is a good way of <laughs> you can also go on my website rorydmcgregor.com as well there's a way to get in contact with me there i guess if you're looking for the yeah. app yeah same with me christinamassiati.com you can follow me on instagram at willafly w-i-l-l-a-f-l-y Perfect. And, and my Instagram is always Rory D. McGregor. And mine is at Masiati. Well, wonderful. Well, Christina, Kelly, and Rory, thank you all so much for taking the time to speak with me today. 
It has been an absolute blast learning more about this show and hearing your wonderful insights. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Yeah, lovely to chat. Thank you. Thank you for having us. My guests today have been the playwright Christina Massiotti, the actress Kelly Overby, and the director Rory McGregor, all who are a part of the show No Good Things Dwell in the Flesh, playing September 6th through the 23rd at the Jeffrey and Paula Girl Theater at ART New York Theaters. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting christinamassiati.com. We also have some contact information for our guests, which we'll be posting on our episode description as well as on our social media post. But in the meantime, make sure you head on over to christinamassiati.com. Get your tickets now for No Good Things Dwell in the Flesh, playing September 6th through the 23rd. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Bye.